Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to Avon Puri, the CIO at Rubric, and we discuss how to make tough decisions in our careers, advice on maximizing the potential of your teams, and approaching decision-making with a bias for action. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Where are you calling in from today? I'm in Palo Alto. Ooh, I like that place. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Have you been there a while? Yeah. Um, so I've been in California for what, um, 21, 22 years now, out of which I worked for 14 years in Palo Alto. So, <laughs> What have you been doing there so long? Building, building the next generation of technology? That's the, that's the idea. Um, yeah, generally involved with very um, kind of infrastructure-focused, high-tech firms, HP, VMware, uh, now Rubric. So super cool stuff. I've run in some, into some really cool people over at VMware. Yeah? Yeah, they have a nice culture, it seems. Yeah, it's now uh, 23,000 employees. It's a pretty, <laughs> pretty big company. <laughs> yeah. How did you first get out there? Um, so I moved here in 1999. And um, it just so happened, like, you know, quite candidly, I wasn't thinking about anything. My wife got a job with Cisco at that time. And, you know, I used to live in New York. And we thought it would be super cool to go live in Bay Area in Silicon Valley. So we just moved here. <laughs> so, it's pretty straightforward. Nice. So she got the job at Cisco. You came. Did you get a job at Cisco too? No, I worked for HP at that time. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I spent about a year and a half working at HP. Then I went to work for a, a consulting firm, Big Five Consulting Firm. Um, did a lot of work back at HP as a consultant and then uh, ended up working at an asset management company in San Mateo and then joined VMware, spent eight years in VMware. And then I've been at Rubrik for about a year and a half now, or one year, one month now. Something. All right. So, so what does Rubrik do? Okay. So we are... Um, a company basically we are pioneering the cloud data management space and um, we have technology that basically gives capability to our customers to manage their data across multi-cloud um, you know we uh, started off with backup and you know providing recovery on on top of backup but evolving as the landscape of data is getting more and more uh, getting more complicated across uh, infrastructure and across multiple clouds, um, we are really starting to evolve more into that uh, so, you know, technology that lets you manage and uh, control your data. So that's what Rubrik does. That's what we want. We want to manage and control our data. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's a it's a it's a really exciting space, and um, you know, we are Rubrik's heading. And you know, if you look at you know what all's playing out in this whole data governance and data management, so I'm super excited for where we are heading as a company. So you said you were in New York. Did you say Manhattan, Brooklyn? What part of New York were you in? Yeah. So so I lived in I lived in White Plains. Uh, oh, White so Plains. Okay. I worked for IBM. Um, oh. Yeah, so that's how I started my career. I used to uh, work in, you know, it was during that uh, interesting time when uh, IBM was moving all their internal systems from uh, their mainframe systems to Lotus Notes and, you know, the kind of moving into this, you know, 
great client server architecture. Um, so, so good fun. I, I was part of their Lotus Notes team. You know, I you know worked in the data center, managed the servers, and you know all that happiness. You know, at that time. And then um, I ended up working for uh, uh, an insurance company over there. Actually, the company that supplied data to other insurance companies based on which all the policies and the rates, et cetera, what we as consumers pay were formed. So I ended up in their web development team uh, in mid 90s. Um, and then I moved here after that in California for working for HP in 1998. So it's been a while. Nice. Were you, so you were born in White Plains? No, no, I, 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 I was born in UK. I okay. grew up in India and I moved here in 1995. So in, born in the UK and then right. you, you went like as a small child to India and lived correct. there. How I long were all, you in India? Yeah, I did all my education in India. It's about 20 years. I was in India. Okay. Born in the UK, 20 years in India, and then you moved to White Plains? Then I moved to White Plains, yeah. 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 You're well-traveled. I am well-traveled, yes. We just, we just travel quite a bit regardless of where I live. But, you know, we as a family are very fond of traveling. So we end up doing, you know, we've been to most of the, most of the continents, except for Antarctica, we've been to every single one. <laughs> you got to go see the penguins. <laughs> oh, we've seen plenty of penguins. <laughs> you got to see the Antarctica penguins. They're very yeah, different. They've got a different attitude, different culture yeah. over there. <laughs> I've, been to, I've been to Ushuaia, so if that counts. Okay, it's The yeah. southernmost tip of I, I, South America. I heard the penguins there are a little bit, uh, their personality is a little bit cold. Oh, <laughs> it's like when you have kids, you just turn into dad jokes are okay, right? You have to go, you have to go there in summer. That's a good time to go? Yeah, yeah. So then, then they're not very cold. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man, but he's actually got some really good insight here. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. I love So do you have kids? I have kids, yeah. So there you can't go. Believe, That's why you got it. Yeah. I can't believe that uh, summer flew by so fast. You know, the kids are back in school. So, uh, you know, so we are back to the grind, I guess. So what do you have? Some boys, some girls? How old are they? Yeah, I have two. I have a, I have a girl who's 15. I have a boy who's nine. So they, they, you know, I have a high schooler and an elementary schooler. So they keep us plenty busy. Nice. I have a, a girl who's two and a boy who's six months. So right. got, I'm in the yeah, I'm in the early cool. stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to talk a little bit about like leadership and what you've learned as you you know you went from these different positions from you know, New York uh, as an individual contributor on a team to to team lead. Like, what are some of the first takeaways that you've gotten making that transition? Yeah. So I, I think there are a couple of couple of ways to look at it. Right. You know, generally. Um, you know, my transition, and I can talk about my story, you know, yeah. you know, generally what has happened is that when, when I started, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a fairly hands-on person, right? You know, generally I, I grew up writing code. Um, you know, I was talking to you about the, the insurance company I work for. Um, and that uh, in 1996 or 97, um, we were basically taking all the insurance data that was sitting in documents and we were basically making it available online using internet to all our customers and it is it, it is during those times when newscasters were explaining on news what an internet means and what uh, you know what an AOL account or what your email account is right so um, so basically you know my whole 
career has been fulfilled by, you know, I don't, you know, I don't shy away from just experimenting with stuff and especially, um, you know, technology that helps business um, and he, you know, brings better business outcomes. I'm actually uh, very fond of going behind it. And that has helped me propel through the career as I've gone from, you know, developer to team lead to manager to senior manager to director. So I've kind of gone through the whole, whole ranks, right? I didn't bypass any layers. Um, you know, across various companies to come to a point where I am today. So generally, you know, I feel that, you know, unless you know what you're doing, um, unless you basically have done stuff with your, with your own hands, it's really difficult to really direct a team and direct a strategy on or where you want to take it. Yes. If you hear me typing, I'm taking notes because what you say sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> right. That, that's, that's a good point, right? Because we we see people they do workshops or courses and you know check a box or take a test and they you know get a certificate that says they're a leader but then like when you you have to actually apply the knowledge and go through that time and gain that experience right to actually improve yeah no i you know i'll tell you that having an experience to basically navigate a situation you only realize that that when you are in that situation, you know, and, you know, I'll tell you right now. So um, I have had an opportunity to work for some really big corporations. Um, you know, I've led really big teams and I've managed significant amount of dollars from budgets perspective. Now I've come to rubric where we as a company are in, you know, fairly early in our journey, right. You know, if you compare to my, my previous companies, um, the best uh, privilege I've had here is to really set up the infrastructure from scratch. So, you know, and, and all the experience I've had um, in looking at how the companies operate when they are six, eight, ten billion dollars in revenue, um, you know, I've had an opportunity to bring it here at Rubric, and we are setting our infrastructure in a way that basically sets us up really well to to scale without making a lot of changes. You know, otherwise, if you see what happens at, at, uh, with the companies is that they grow up so fast, they don't invest um, correctly in their infrastructure. And then once they go public and then they have to declare results and, you know, make sure that all their financial systems are pristine and they're, they have all the right controls, then they realize that, oh, we have to practically go back and redo all the implementations again. So some of the, some of the value of experience we are bringing here, I have a very experienced team, um, you know, I've got people who've been doing this for a while, and we are bringing all the experience here in, in, at Rubric to set up the infrastructure so that as a company, we, we can scale, and infrastructure is not a reason because of which the company didn't grow. Right. You want to solve, you, you own that, you want to solve that, make sure you have everything set up for success as you expand. So give me some context real quick. What is the size of Rubric? Yeah, so we are, we are almost 1600 people now. Uh, we are, you know, a private company, so I can't share numbers um, from revenue and dollars, but we are, yeah. we are growing, you know, really fast. Um, you know, just to give you context, when I interviewed here in March, April last year. We were about 900 employees. And, wow. uh, you know, now we are sitting at about 1600. So you can see the speed at which we are, we are growing. Um, also, you know, if you look at um, our, our revenues, you know, we are in a, uh, we, we deliver technology and, you know, basically our software, to be particular, right? So if you look at it, it, 
it's not that easy because you can you can sell software in many ways right you know if you look at what are the various business models you can sell perpetual you can sell subscription you can sell hybrid so it's it's really not that straightforward to just set up a simple infrastructure especially if you are in in you know if you sell perpetual as well as as subscription so the point i'm trying to make here is that um, it might seem that we are a smaller company, 1,600 people, but our business is fairly complicated. You know, we, you know, basically sell through partner channels. You know, we try to support, you know, customers with the way they want to buy software from us. Um, so for, for us in the infrastructure side, when we're setting up business processes and setting up systems, it can get uh, slightly complicated. So, you know, that's, you know, that's the context of the role that White is um, why it is pretty challenging. I can imagine because like here we do, we do leadership development, right? That's like one of our services that we do. We do our podcast, right? And then we do like workshops or talks that I give around the world. And for every one of those, we've got this binder, this like operations binder where we have like how we prospect the needs, the calls that we do, the sale, like all, there's like, an, it's like an entire business for each product that you have, each way people can transact with you. So yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's amplified <laughs> for you though. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. And then when we are, you know, when you're when you're growing really fast as a company, then you know the other challenge lies that how do you continue to support business without slowing them down and, and then really providing the platform for a company to continue to scale. So literally, you know, and, and this this um, uh, analogy has been used a million times that literally laying down the tracks when the train's coming 100 miles an hour, right? So that's kind of the, the fun part of the job, I guess. <laughs> I love it. I think in like 100 years, there will be some variation to that analogy where it's like Elon Musk's tunnels or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like laying down the hyperloops when it's coming. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm always looking to bring value and like, you know, hook you guys up, do, do whatever I can to help. What, who is your ideal customer? I know you have a lot of them, as you mentioned, you have different types of products, but maybe someone's listening right now. Like what's your ideal customer profile? Yeah, so um, what I think our product would be um, really useful to a company that operates at, at uh, good scale. It's an enterprise scale customer. Um, generally, they have data sitting in your private data center or data centers. Um, also, you start to use multiple clouds or you're looking to start to go into, um, you know, embark on your cloud journey. And you really want to kind of get control of your data across uh, wherever it is sitting and, you know, get visibility and, you know, start to manage that, that data. So, um, so that, is, that is an ideal customer for us. Uh, we as a company, you know, not only, you know, we provide a platform that basically lets you manage, manage your data in cloud and, and your private data centers, but also, you know, we, we, dev, we provide services that sit on top of that platform, like a ransomware detection and, you know, uh, fixing. And then, um, you know, we are looking at, um, we're just going, we've just announced a product for data classification and governance. So, you know, if you're a CIO in a, in a company, some of the stuff we do is is going to be very high interest to you because we are trying to solve the problems which really um, haven't been solved in, in totality across the board. All right, so I, I'm following it. I like it. There's a lot of people that listen to this that match that, that customer profile. But 
I'm curious about like rubric on rubric, right? Do you, we had uh, Archana, who's the CIO or CTO of Atlassian, because we did a special episode where we had like the CIO of Atlassian and the CTO. Uh, so she had a cool way of wording it. Instead of saying like dog fooding your own product, she had it as like drinking your own champagne. Yeah. Way classier, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, you know, so, so people use different variations. Um, you know, we can call it either way. I think the bottom line here is that um, we, we are running our infrastructure using our own product. It's, it's a very critical piece of uh, capability that we enable using Rubrik within our company. Um, to give you context, right? So we, we have um, hundreds of developers you know, spread across various geographies. And it is, you know, speed at which we deliver our features and uh, deliver our product, it is really critical that the infrastructure stays up. Uh, if, if God forbid something happens, we have ability to, to restore the environment and get the developers productive ASAP. So we use Rubrik for all that capabilities. Take, we take all our um, you know, core engineering infrastructure, basically back it up using Rubrik, restore it using Rubrik, um, kind of, you know, uh, about almost uh, 1,015, between 1,500 VMs that are backed in and, uh, you know, terabytes of terabytes of data, um, all their, you know, configurations, the parameters, all our core IT infrastructure, everything is backed up and restored using Rubrik today. In the I like it. It sounds like it simplifies and, and brings everything together. Uh, so I actually, I have an idea for your marketing team. Can I throw this out there? You, sure. can, you can hate it. You can hate it. You say it's horrible. All right, you take, you take a Rubik's Cube, right? And you mess it all up so it's all jumbled, all the colors are everywhere. And you say like, this is your data without rubric. And then you take a Rubik's cube that's solved so it's clean on all the sides. And then you show the solved one on the other side, you say, this is your data with rubric. Yes. Boom, it's like chaos and simplicity. I think you should be in marketing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right, I love it. I don't know, when people talk, like when you describe, this stuff just pops in my head and I'm like, okay, this is what we should do. Yeah, maybe you're in a, in a wrong profession. But <laughs> maybe I am. All right, let's cut the, let's cut the podcast. <laughs> No, but I've shared some of the ideas and I've actually gotten offered a job on the show before <laughs> for marketing. Yeah, I like it. So, all right, let's, let's get this back in. So you use your own product. That's how you know it works. As you're rapidly expanding 900, 1600, you're going to be at you know 3200 shortly, right? Um, as you're rapidly expanding, you're using it. And so that, that's how you keep really close to that product. Correct. And then generally um, more and more, and again, this is uh, something to do with how we are evolving as an organization. Um, you know, the company grew so fast about, you know, I, you can say that I was literally the first IT employee in the company, right? When I was hired in and we basically formed the whole department from scratch. Okay. And what has happened is that over a period of time, um, you know, first, order of business was to make sure that we have all the right systems in place, we have all the right mechanisms in place so that we can run the business, uh, we can continue to give platform for, for growth, et cetera. Now we're at a point where we're also becoming very integral part of the supply chain of the product. 
before its release. So, you know, all the new set of products which we just announced last week, my team's been, uh, you know, testing it. We've been, you know, part of the beta program. Um, we've given feedback. We have also plugged in with the product management before the release is locked in. Um, you know, the, you know, the, I, we can give them our thought process on what's critical, what's not critical. So there are some definite advantages of uh, being a kind of representative customer in the company. Um, so essentially we become, we become super critical for various functions across the board uh, so that there's definitely a lot more than just running critical infrastructure on our own product, but also okay, how do we give feedback to product managers? How do we really run the product in our production setting before it goes out so that we find some defects before our customers find and things like that. So, you know, really, really excited on some of the work we are doing. No, that's a good point. I, we recently had, hasn't aired yet, but we had on earlier this week, one of the original engineers at Facebook and they were talking about moving fast and breaking things. But the interesting part he brought up was he goes like out of context, that sounds one way he goes, but what that means is that we get really good at fixing things and then creating environments where like you can only break it a little in a controlled environment. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. So you can move right. fast and break things, but that doesn't mean you're deploying to the entire network. Yeah. See, the, the thing is that, you know, the reality of life is, you know, the, our product is is complicated, right? And, and, you know, you can imagine that things will break. So for us, um, the opportunities to really have, a, have an infrastructure that's resilient and we have ability to really get developers up and running fast, um, if for God forbid something happened, let's say our storage went down or, or something happened, then, you know, what rubric gives to us is as an organization ability to just get these guys up and running really quickly and, and get them going back to what they need to be doing. So that's a, that's a definite advantage. So we talked, we talked a little bit about the product, about the, the process and the infrastructure and the growth. Let's talk a little bit about the culture. What's it like to be on a team at rubric? Yeah. So, um, I would say that for me, coming from bigger organizations, coming into relatively smaller org was was a um, you know it was a big change, but very welcoming change. And there are a few things which I, I love. Right, you know, first of all, this is again we are all focused on providing value to our customers, so getting really good products out there which solves critical business problems. Um, so we have a you know completely no BS type of culture, right? It's very um, we don't have offices, we don't have cubes. You know, everybody sits together. Our, our you know CEO sits right across me. You know, everybody's very approachable. So it's a very open culture and just to the point to get get work done, which I really really like. And you know, this has been one of the big highlights for me. So as a company, we um, you know we invite all our employees to our board meetings. So this is some of the, you know, this is one of the big things our CEO brought in. Um, you know, he wanted to make sure that, that all the discussions are open and all, all our employees are in on what's going on. So if you look at the culture of the organization, you know, we are all kind of, um, um, you know, rooted in into velocity and transparency and then uh, other, you know, we, of course, integrity and relentlessness. I like the relentlessness. Yeah. I mean, I like, I, I like all of them, right? Yeah. Be, but the, uh, the transparency one, that's, I think that's great. I've actually never heard of, the, of a company doing that before. So that's really interesting. 
Yeah. And uh, so if you if you look up our our company, that's one of the core values, and uh, it's uh, you know this kind of also you know really make sure that employees are very aware of what's going on. There's nothing hidden here, right? You know, so people know what the issues are. People know, you know, they're celebrating successes, uh, success together, and then um, also know what they need to be working on. So it's it's really interesting, you know, uh, experiment for me. I've never seen this before in my past life. Have you seen that, like, this culture being so clearly defined and being out there, does that attract other people that have those similar values to your company? Yeah, definitely. I think this is one of the one of the core, um, you know, when we when we go through uh, interview process, um, you know, we this is one of the things I've seen that people really like the fact that, you know, companies are not trying to pull a fast one on you and, you know, it's open, transparent communication on what's going on. So it's definitely one of the core um, core values that attracts employees coming to Rubrik. So we get some questions from the audience, right? And they ask us to ask, you know, when we, when we come across great leaders like you, they say, you know, ask some of these questions, get their, get their insight. And so sometimes because, you know, sometimes they're really exact, sometimes they're a little bit ambiguous, but I'm going to throw a couple at you and, and sure. you can just, just speak to them however you like. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So they want to know just general advice on decision making. Like you have tough decisions or easy to like. How do you approach decision making in general? Yeah. So I have a I have a strong philosophy, and this is something I've I've learned through my career as well. I feel that um, a bad decision is better than indecision. Right. I think if you make a bad decision, and sometimes they're horrible decisions, then you know. I'm pretty sure if you make horrible decisions again and again, then you won't have the job. But um, you know, if you make a bad decision, you can at least recover from it, do something with it. The problem with indecision is that it basically confuses the hell out of the team. You know, it doesn't give them any direction. So my general philosophy has been, you know, my general philosophy has been, you know, I, I have bias for action, right? You know, so let's go do something. Let's make the best decision we have on the data that is available. Uh, let's make sure that you've looked at all sorts of pros and cons and you've kind of, you know, just mulled over on what's the right approach. How do you take this forward? But, but don't take like weeks or months so that basically everybody's waiting for you to make a decision. So make a quick decision and then um, follow what does that mean and kind of what are the repercussions and then ability to, to revert your decision back if it needs to be done as fast as possible. So the, I followed that approach, you know, I, you know, I, when I, you know, this is one of the feedbacks I get that one of the, one of the uh, big things we've been able to bring into the organization is that there's clear direction on where we are heading. Right. And then, you know, there's no ambiguity on one way or the other. And then I think that helps the team quite a bit in, in going forward. So that's my general philosophy. I like it. I really do. And I haven't heard exactly that advice before. And so I, I very much, I'm going to, I was taking notes. I really, <laughs> I really like it. So the, the next question is about, you know, how, how do you get the most out of your teams, right? Like, how do you, how do you approach this act of improving your people and making sure that, you know, they live up to their potential? Yeah. So I think generally what I feel is that um, the, the best way people produce is, you know, the two ways. One is they, they, are, they are to be the, they ha- if they are the right people for the right job, right? That's kind of, you know, you have the right person. The second thing is that you have an organization that is set for success. 
And everybody has different philosophies on how to set organization. I also think that there is no such thing as perfect organizational structure because if there was one, everybody would have one. Um, but um, you know, you you basically based on your context and you know what's going on in the company, you set up the organization. Um, I've typically um, set up orgs with functional responsibilities with single neck to choke structure. Um, so, you know, I can give you the way we are structured here in Rubrik in my organization. I have five big uh, responsibilities within the company, which I drive, right? Five big goals. First one is uh, setting up business applications infrastructure uh, that basically enables all the business processes and uh, gets a company going on a on our march to a billion dollar plus revenue uh, these are things like order to cash and you know uh, procure to pay and you know leads to opportunities so all your core business processes so i have a leader who's responsible for that that one area um, the second kind of big component for us is that when i came in one of the big um, you know charter given to me was let's take rubric and, and let's be a data-driven company that we don't want to make uh, decisions which are just, you know, you, you don't have enough data to make decisions on. So we invested early on in, in our data warehouse and, you know, we set up the whole business intelligence uh, mechanisms uh, across and on top of it. So I have a team that looks after all the data management in the company. Uh, then the third component for me is the technical infrastructure, the tech ops teams. Uh, so uh, we have a responsibility for making sure that all the network compute, data centers, public cloud storage, end-to-end -end orchestration, that's all uh, humming and you know we're not seeing any network issues or you know computes down every second day our data center is not up or, so so you know so i have a team that's responsible for all the technical operations for the company across the board and then uh, fourth one is security posture so i have a ciso um, as part of my team and she's responsible for looking after uh, you know all our uh, security components that that we as a company are not vulnerable to security attacks, et cetera. And then last but not least is rubric on rubric and what we do with our, our own product usage. So I have a person who's responsible for rubric on rubric and she also does um, some other stuff, but primarily, you know, that's her role is. So that's kind of how my org is, is laid out. Everybody has a clear and, you know, end-to-end -end responsibility for what they need to do. Um, there is, of course, you know, you have to, you know, uh, they have to work with each other, but there are clear goals and metrics everybody's got, on, you know, for them to, to manage. And that basically enables them to be successful. I love it. Yeah, because if they know the metric, one of the important parts that I've learned personally, like over the past year or two with metrics is that the clearly defined metrics allow you to feel that sense of, I did a good day's work. Yeah. It's less about like control over the individual. It's not, it's not a negative thing at all. It's like, here is the recipe for you to do your best work. And yeah. yeah. So, so think about it this way, right? You're driving a car and unless your speedometer tells you how, much, how fast are you driving, there's no way for you to tell. So, so I have a fairly kind of large scope from organization perspective, you know, what I just went through with you. If I, if I don't get a sense of, okay, what is our throughput on the features we are pushing? 
if we, you know, what is the uptime metrics for our network storage, compute, data center, you know, how's our VPN performing, you know, looking at how many number of security incidents we have. Um, so so for, for leaders who have kind of bigger organization, the only way you can run your business is by looking at, you know, what is your current speed? Right, you know what is your what is going on in the organization, and you know so that's how that's how that's the only way I can see that you can run an organization and effectively manage the the work out of them. Otherwise, I would be on uh, in in their shoes on daily basis trying to figure out, hey, you know, hey, did we have any incident today? There's nothing you can do. So th so that's why just running your business metrics are so important for us across the board. Okay, so uh, the last audience-related question is, how do you approach growing and mentoring your teams? Yes, um, so I think that the mentoring starts with um, two components. One is that you put right people in right role, as I said earlier, right? So making sure that they are set up for success, they have all the right resources, um, you know, what they are expected to deliver is in line with, what companies asking for, and then you have the means to be able to to support those, right? But mentoring to me, and I I've actually had you know really good fortune that I've been mentored by some very good leaders, uh, you know some very big leaders um, in industry, and what what I felt was that you know, I didn't need a whole lot of help in the technical side of the house, you know, so, so you, this is something you grew up with and you know technology. The mentorship is more about uh, rounding you out as a person, right? So giving you advice on, you know, more softer skills and, you know, making you a better leader, right? And so generally, you know, I, that's how I work with my teams as well, to make sure that, um, you know, giving them advice on, you know, okay, Technically, we are great, but this is how we should position it. This is how we should really, um, you know, uh, structure this conversation. Um, what are the pros and cons? And so, you know, what are, we are looking at all angles from what makes sense for the company. So I've benefited tremendously. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have a very strong personality. And I was given this feedback early on that if I have to grow in the organization, I really need to make sure that I have that kind of, uh, you know, quote unquote, presidential personality for lack of a better word. Um, so, um, so I think that since I've benefited significantly from, from this advice, um, I try to work with my team and folks even in, in, below, the organ, in below my direct reports uh, to see if, if we can you know, somehow figure out, have a more rounded team than more kind of strong uh, technical and, and you know, um, not so presidential team. <laughs> <laughs> you want to you want to improve and grow your team as leaders, right? Exactly. I love it. That's what it's all about. On. It's all about rounding out as a leader, as a as, you know, to your personality rather than just being like one trick pony. And all you know is you're the best technical person on the team, but you know nobody wants to work with you. Right. You don't want to be that person. Exactly. Definitely. Don't. You're not going to get very far. The team's not going to do well. Yeah. But I like that. Yeah. It's it's important to make sure that you're not just one trick right? That you have, you know, we've noticed because we do have the leadership company here and what we've noticed recently and it's on top of my mind because I was talking to the investors yesterday is that there's a shift in terminology from people calling it soft skills to core skills mm -hmm. because they were in the logic behind it was uh, in the article I was reading was that the soft skills sound like optional or nice to have. Mm -hmm. 
And a lot of these skills like communication, that is not an optional or nice to have skill. <laughs> like that is right. a core skill that you need as an individual. Absolutely. So, that was just something I, I was uh, hearing about yesterday. Cause you know, people, I, I found that people don't love the idea of working on soft skills. But it's so, so necessary, right? So ultimately you have to work with people and everybody has a, different way of looking at the same problem. And that's why we are a team and teams have to be successful. So um, I think that having that ability to relate, having that ability to understand what other person's coming from, and then have a really good way of articulating your point of view and making sure that there's a good agreement on what's the best way forward. You know, that's, that's a really critical skill. See, I love hearing this stuff. Like, <laughs> I like hearing it. It's I, I like when I hear great advice and you can just tell because you you know that like if i if i'm in your town and i visit i, I have a good idea of like what your team would be like right, right. The culture and, and and so i i like to say good job and i know nobody walks up to you and says that regularly yeah but part of it is i think that the, the company fosters this culture a little bit and again having you know your your you know you know, the way the teams are set up and the tone's always set from the top, right? You know, if, if you really follow the follow the advice, this is how the company operates at the end of the day. So it's really good. Well, that's why you're growing and that's why you'll continue to be successful and get larger. So I love it. Now let's give you a plug real quick, right? So for engineers or for individuals, leaders that are listening to this and they're interested, they like the culture and they want to learn more about careers at Rubrik or reach out to you, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah, I think they should go to our website. Um, there, you know, at any times we have uh, multiple positions posted. Um, we are always looking for good people, so you know, definitely reach out directly. Um, you know, if somebody wants to reach out to me directly, feel free to connect on, on LinkedIn. I'm fairly, you know, active on social media. Um, I don't tweet as much as I'd like to tweet, but, uh, but LinkedIn, I'm, I'm, I check regularly. Um, and uh, then I'll be able to send them uh, in the right direction, wherever they need to go. Um, what, should they, what, what should they search on LinkedIn? Uh, just search for my name, Evan Puri. So there are a couple of ways. Right? So you could look for the company. So Rubrik has a fairly good presence across all social media channels. Um, and then if you want to look direct, link directly with me, just look me up, Evan Puri, A-V-O-N, last name is P-U-R-I. And I don't think there are too many of uh, us with that name. So I'll probably <laughs> be the, <laughs> the <laughs> I love it. That's, that's good. It's a good name too. It's very easy to pronounce and it's very clear and it's, it's succinct. It's a, you got a good name. Yeah. It's a, there's a, there's a little bit of a Brit tinge into this. So I was born on the, on the banks of river Avon. So let's put it this way. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. My daughter's name is Aria and everyone always asks us about the hotel in Vegas. And I'm like, no, right. no, 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 no. It's after the musical part of, of movement on Aria. And I was like, cause we like music. So uh, as we wrap up here, what are you like most excited about today? Like, what are you jumping out of bed for in the morning? Yeah. So um, as I said earlier, right, I think the, the, the biggest thing um, which I like to do is, you know, taking technology and really get business value out of it. And um, so recently, if you look at the world, right, there, there are, you know, really good stuff going on. Quite candidly, I feel that, uh, you know, technology is getting invented faster that, than humans can consume it. Um, so especially for us, you know, folks who are in the business world in, in CIO or IT roles, um, we just have to really um, watch out 
on how how fast you want to kind of uh, you know send technology to your users are they ready to embrace it fully before you send them the next version but um i feel that that in a couple of areas especially what's going on in ai ml fields um i think has a really good business uh, applicability uh, and then of course you know what's happening with infrastructure as a service um, especially as the world grows into more multi-cloud architecture i think there's there's you know a lot of values um, and a lot of options that can open up as we continue to go go down that path um, you know we 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 at rubric are actually you know, of course, of course, from the product perspective, we are using AI ML as part of our product, like in ransomware detection, uh, all our capabilities are built on top of AI ML uh, algorithms. Um, also from kind of more business technology perspective, um, we, are, we are looking, we are actually, we already have service in the beta where we are starting to move service or support for our customers from more reactive to proactive uh, starting to predict when customers are going to run out of you know space on their clusters and you know start to really uh, turn the conversation a little bit kind of more from us as a as a company giving them information rather than waiting for them to reach out to us um, we're looking at okay how do we make our sales a little bit more productive with giving them information uh, based on where the world's going to be or where uh, opportunities are going to be rather than waiting for opportunity to pop up. So some really good, interesting stuff going on in that, uh, in that world. I'm very excited about. Right. Yeah. You, you got me excited. I'm all pumped up about it too now. <laughs> <laughs> so as we wrap up here, last question, I'm going to run a hypothetical situation for you. Is that okay? We're going to have sure. fun with it. All right. So you and I both get tickets, right? We both get tickets to go see the first ever Hyperloop. Okay. So we get tickets, we, we fly out there, but the address is wrong and it's actually Elon Musk private residence. Okay. Right? Where are you going? Uh, yeah, we're excited. You and I show up, we're like, what's going on? But there's the new Tesla 2020. We got to go inside and check that out. So we go into his living room and there he is. He's got this uh, curtain that he pulls back and there's a time machine, right? Now here's the thing. It's fixed to the exact moment when you're flying from India to Great Plains, right? Like when you're coming over here and you get to jump into that airplane real quick and give yourself one piece of advice, what would yeah. it be? Um, I think for me, for my particular career, I jumped into kind of bigger companies, bigger corporations too early on in my career. Um, I had an opportunity to go work for a, a much smaller company uh, in mid '90s, and you know, it was a 50 people company at that time that became much bigger. Um, I I think that I would have really, um, you know, gotten a lot of benefit if I'd started, if I'd worked for a smaller company before I jumped into a bigger company. So I compensated for it. I did some consulting work that gave me a lot, lot broader exposure later. Um, but but I think that if I have to give any advice, right? If I first fixing my own career, if you know other people who are kind of at early stages of their career. I would say if you get an opportunity into more smaller companies at the, at the start of your career, I would rather go do that than just pick a job in a bigger corporation where your scope is fairly well defined and you're only going to stretch so much. Um, you know, that, that, help, that, that would help people's career. And if somebody comes in, asks for advice from me, that's definitely what I tell people coming out of college today. Yeah, so they get a nice variety, you get to experience. Yeah, I like it. That's a fantastic advice. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is, we did it. Avon, yeah. we, made, we made a 
a podcast. It's done. Great. I look forward to uh, yeah. I look forward to the the product that when it comes out. It's a fantastic day, my friend. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.